Leia gets kidnapped by Inquisitors. Obi-Wan Kenobi is called to action to rescue the princess. Darth Vader is looking for revenge and more as the Sky Guys are back to recap the full season of Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, we are back here. The Sky Guys are back to wrap up the season of Obi-Wan Kenobi. All six parts are out now on Disney+. Plus. We've watched them all. We're going to react to the season as a whole. Gary, for what might come next with the character, I'm one of the hosts of the Sky Guys, Mike Phillips. Joining me today, the man who's voicing here in the narration every single week, Pete Constory is here. Pete, how are you? Doing well. Um, I'm actually excited to talk about the season as a whole and start getting into some theories and, and start talking about the, the overall theme and uh, how we feel like everything flowed. I feel like we tried our best to be disciplined for each episode to not go too far in depth because we knew we were doing this. So I'm excited to finally get to it. Absolutely. Also with us today, the leader of the path, don't call him Roken, Nick Fred is here. Nick, how are you? Doing well. Uh, excited to finally talk about this, you know, as a, as a whole instead of just the last episode that we talked about last week. We were really restraining last week from saying things we wanted to. We couldn't because we knew this show was coming. Yeah, we couldn't. And 90 minutes for us was restrained because we could have gone for another hour at least and just talking about what could have happened with the uh, whole show. Yeah. yeah. Right. Also with us today, he showed up last time on the doing the brackets with us. He did the Book of Boba Fett wrap-up here. Uh, our Imperial gangster, Mike Brescia, is here. Mike, how are you? Hello, everybody. This is Mike Brescia reporting live from Mustafa, as you can see in the background. But uh, anyway, uh, just messing around. It's a pleasure to be back. It's great to see everyone here and uh, looking forward to being part of the conversation tonight. Absolutely. And Nick, it was funny because when we agreed on the guest, we said, oh, you know, we'll bring Mike Pagan back. And I gave you the hologram and said, give us to Mike Pagan. You gave it to Haja. Haja dropped it. Mike picked it up. So I guess Mike Brescia is here instead. And he... It's hard to get a hold of him today. Yeah, to confirm I, something must have happened with the communication breakdown or something. Yeah, like I said, I think Haja dropped our hologram. He broke it. Yeah, I think so. It must have dropped your hologram in your your cell phone. That's exactly what happened, and I think Reva picked it up, and uh, she was going to report me into Vader, but uh, you know, not not sure what uh, happened. There. I was able to retrieve it, and here I am. Right, bottom line. Yep, he figured he fi got information. He figured out how to get here, and. He's always one of the people who's checking us out on the podcast feed. And Pete, people want to subscribe, as always, check out the Sky Guys podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, all these little suspects. Search for the Sky Guys podcast there. This podcast is only going to the Sky Guys feed. It's not going in just in the sufferings. So if you want this show, make sure you're sticking around here if I can get it. Yeah, exclusive episode alert. Um, you subscribe. You can get it anywhere. Hell, you can get it on Mustafar. Mike Brescia gets it while he's over there sweating his ass off. Uh, but yeah. It's uh yeah too hot there right Mike uh but yeah it's um it's you, you gotta subscribe right you gotta subscribe you gotta get all the content and and this is also what it's about right not only just the the timing of it but the exclusivity of it right we're not getting this on the just end and the suffering podcast feed so if you want to hear our thoughts and you want to hear some some in depth analysis place to be is the sky guys absolutely and Nick they can also follow us on the Instagram if they want to keep up with some more stuff we're doing. They can at Sky Guys, uh, excuse me, Sky Guys Podcast on Instagram. And uh, I was in the dungeon today and I made a lot of memes. So be ready. A lot of content is coming. 
Yeah, we figured you got enough Obi-Wan stuff there to keep you busy for a bit until we start kind of transitioning over to Andor. Yep, I made a lot in the dungeon today. At least at least seven. Yeah, you were hiding out in the battles of Castle Vader with Mike Brescia. That's right. Yeah. And Mike, if they want to see what you're up to over there and they see your Mustafar uh, setup here, they can check out the YouTube version. Mike Phillips on YouTube for that and all the podcast guys. Just check it out there as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds good. I think I think there's Wi-Fi over here. Uh, I think Vader set it up in the castle. So uh, uh, I'm able to get a good connection out here. So very good to check in. Well, I mean, with the Emperor trying to reach you out there, you need good Wi-Fi. Absolutely. Absolutely. Clear connection, clear signal. No asteroid fields. Absolutely. Before we get into the Star Wars news here, Mike, why with the audience? I didn't talk to you during the season. What do you think about the show as a whole? Yeah, you know, I, I thought as a whole, the show to me was great. I think it did the job that it was destined to do. It was to be able to provide some further context for Obi-Wan, uh, to provide some you know, further development between uh, characters that we come to know and love, and, you know, really... Uh, show some progression from what happened uh, at the end of episode three to uh you know basically you know 10 years before uh, uh the new hope so i think it was uh you know i think it was great and uh i, I think any star wars content that's out there um you know bring it on you know it's it's a great time to be a fan it's uh, all the content that's being made out there it's you know it's, it's a wonderful thing and, uh, you know, I look forward to more and more coming out. Like you said, Andor coming out. Looking forward to that. But, you know, just going back to Obi-Wan, I think it was I think it was great. I think uh, you know, definitely enjoyed it. So, Yeah, absolutely. And, P, all that content coming out is going to be great for us because it means that we're not going to be kind of with brackets on the fly. We'll have stuff coming out pretty much regularly for about a year and a half right now. Yeah, so no for us, right? Nick watches the episodes at 6 a.m. just to get it before work, so he doesn't get the spoiler. Nick's going to need a lot of caffeine. I know that coming up for the next year and a half. I'll, I'll probably be doing it last minute because of work. That's we we have our mo's right. We we all have our styles uh, of how we're going to catch up. But yeah, I mean, look, like you said, a ton of content coming out. We definitely have a lot slated for the next year and a half, uh, with some breaks in between, obviously, and some other like you know fun stuff we're going to do in between as well when it comes to shows. But I am very excited, and I'm sure you know Nick and Mike as well. You guys are excited, Mike Brescia included, because he'll definitely be on the podcast with us, guest guest uh, hosting with us. So I, you know, I'm keeping an open mind. I'm hoping they're good shows. But after the whole Book of Boba Fett catastrophe, I, I keep my expectations low. Yeah, absolutely. And before we dive into the feedback show here in terms of what we're covering here, Nick, what you will collect the Star Wars news. What do you got for us this week? Uh, just two, two quick pieces. Number one is uh, Taika's movie. That was like a couple months ago, rumored or maybe a month ago to be coming out in 2023. As I said at the time, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. Not even close. They're still writing. They're not even beginning production. I would be shocked if we saw this movie before 2026. Probably, I maybe, maybe December of 25, but even then I would still be a little shocked. I'd say, honestly, if I take a guess, I'd say like December of 26 or 27. Yeah, for sure. And Pete, I don't think they pick up a camera on this thing until probably next summer. Yeah, I mean, it would be pretty foolish for them to even try to rush it. Uh, there's no expectation, in my opinion, for a Star Wars movie. I don't think that you need to rush into anything. Uh, not to keep using the word rush, but it just it. Let's take our time, right? Like I'm like I'm on the movie. Let's take the time to 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 work on it, right? And 
try to make it good. Try to make it something that's fresh. Um, and I think too, with the, with the just amount of Star Wars con- content coming out, we just don't. I don't know if we want to oversaturate the market, right? I think a lot of people, I don't want to say want to break from Star Wars, but I just feel like, like we just talked about, next year and a half, we have pretty much a lot slated almost back to back. So it would be nice to take a, maybe a year off before something big in the Star Wars universe comes out again. Asley, Nick, what else you got for us in the news department? The second piece of news is more to do with what we're going to talk about today, and that is the Obi-Wan Kenobi show that we all watched and definitely all here at least enjoyed very much, was originally conceived as a trilogy of movies. And we learned that recently that after the... Let's just get real. we'll We'll say what they said first, and then we'll say the real thing. They said after the failure of Solo, they got rid of that, and that's really what they blame everything on because it's the only thing that they can blame things on that financially backs them up because they lost money on the movie. But we all know the real reason. Uh, maybe someone else can say it if they want, but it's not Solo. Rise of Skywalker. Why- oh, I disagree, too. I think it was The Last Jedi. I think The Last Jedi is the reason Solo bombed. And that's why, because Solo bombed, they, they blamed everything on Solo, but Solo was destined to fail the whole time. Well, obviously, no. the Rise of Sky, obviously, the Rise of Skywalker doesn't help, but I think it was destined to fail right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Mike, yeah. It, it sounds like they, they, the plan here was that, you know, they're going to do a trilogy of movies. I'll link to the article in the show notes. Basically, said, oh, like, this story is supposed to be the first movie, and then there's going to be two more movies basically focusing on how he basically becomes Alec Guinness version of what we want here. Like, do you think this would have worked better if we got this as a movie form and, and trilogy as opposed to what we got here? Absolutely. I think that this season of Obi-Wan Kenobi, if it came out as a full one viewing movie, uh, I think it would have been much better reception. I think it would have been put together better. I think that there were a couple of episodes, and we'll go further into this, I'm sure, uh, later on, but I think there were a couple of episodes that kind of felt as fillers, and of course, being able to extend this out like like they did, you know, across six episodes, you know, there was a lot of uh, criticism and a, a lot of emotions flying around about the characters. And, you know, I, I think having this wrapped into a movie would have been able to um, uh, rid a lot of those emotions. And uh, I think people would have felt uh, more at ease if it was considered as a movie. Yeah, PSA is shaking your head there. Do you disagree with that? The only reason why I disagree is the timing. I think if they were to try to cram this in a two and a half hour movie, they would rush it and it just wouldn't make sense. And and I mean, to Mike's point, he's 100 percent right. It probably would have been more well, you know, receptive. You know, the audience would have been because it's a movie. You go into the theater. We're going to go see the new Obi-Wan movie. It's going to be a trilogy. This is going to be amazing. If if the first season or whatever this is going to be right, if this is going to be a first season, if there's just as a limited run event. If you try to compact all of that into one movie, the first fight between Vader and the second fight between Vader are 30 minutes apart. And I just don't think you build that tension, right? I don't think you build the story as in detail as you could with the show. Now, granted, like Mike said, there was a couple of uh, episodes that was mostly filler, but to be honest, the filler didn't seem like much of a filler until we look back on it. When we're watching, we're like, oh, that makes sense. You show it, whatever. There was a couple things you're like, okay, when did Leia become an electrician? We get it. Like, there's all different things that you didn't have to show that you can get around. I don't know. I, fitting a four and a half hour series into a two and a half hour movie may be detrimental to the story. So, it, to Mike's point, 100%, definitely more receptive the audience would have been. But I don't 
necessarily know if it would work better, story-wise, at least. Nick, you want anything before we move on? I just think that I think trilogy is ridiculous, but I think one movie and this being it would have been okay. All right. But I completely agree with Pete. Timing doesn't really work. You have to really shuffle the story around if you're going to do it as one movie. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's go ahead now into some of the big plot points that's easier. So we'll talk, we'll go to character here for some of these things. We'll start with Obi-Wan Kenobi himself, obviously. He shows, we see him when he first shows up. He's basically a sad sack. He's doing the day-to-day boring routine. He's, you know, kind of still braining himself for what happened to Anakin. He's watching over Luke. He can't connect with Qui-Gon. He gets pulled out of his life to go rescue Leia. He goes on an adventure, reconnects with the Force, beats Vader again, comes back a newly minted uh, Faith Restored Jedi now on his way back to the Alfred's version of the character here. Uh, Nick, give me this your thoughts on what Obi-Wan's journey was this season, how you liked it. His journey was to get him from Ewan McGregor into Alec Guinness, and I think it was perfectly done. He started off, like you said, as a, I don't know, what was the word you use? Sad sack? Yep. Yeah, started off as a sad sack, built hope again, because he saw, I guess, Bale. It's kind of what made him build hope and like forced him to do what he had to do. And then just journeying around with Leia kind of made him realize that he's not just I don't know, because at this point, he's never met Luke or Leia, except for obviously when they were they were newborns. So I guess it's him realizing these are the children of Anakin. Like, like I need to be around more kind of thing. I got to be more of a father figure, even though I really can't with them. It kind of shows that he has a responsibility to take care of them. And he starts doing that in the season. And then he starts taking care of business, which he has to do with. Vader and Reva and the Empire as a whole, and he, and he starts getting himself involved in situations again to protect other people, which is what a Jedi does. Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, I do think to build on it here, we do sort of get the sense here that, like, you know, like he sort of realizes too when he's going around the, the galaxy, it's sort of like, you know, like, hey, it's not just, you know, like I fail. There's a lot of people here who need help, and I can do some good here, even if I'm not like the Jedi I used to be. I think it was nice also to see that him sort of realizing, you know, like, I can be involved, not just hide in my cave and just watch Luke from afar. Yeah, and and I think that that character development throughout the series, and also to give you that little bit of a bridge between episode three and four, was was done phenomenally. The only thing I would have wished they did was show how he becomes one with the Force again. I feel like that's just kind of thrown upon us, and I'm not terribly upset about it. I mean, I you've watched Star Wars, you know how Obi-Wan is, you know he's a powerful Jedi, so it's like, okay, it's bound to come back with practice and just like riding a bike, whatever. But I wish they spent maybe 10 minutes on it throughout a couple episodes. You can break it up into two or three minute snippets where they honestly could have had a little longer episode. I mean, that was one of my gripes too about this season. Also, Disney shows as a whole is like, I feel like they don't like to pass a certain threshold when it comes to runtime, which I can't understand why, especially for a weekly show. Um, but yeah, I just, that's the only thing that I kind of wished with his story arc was a little different that we just saw a little something of him training or trying to get back into motion. And it's not just boom, he's there. He's fighting Vader for the last time and he's just absolutely destroying him. Yeah. Mike, anything you want to add? Yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to add was we need to see when <laughs> Steve McGregor goes from brunette, long flowing hair to short hair. He starts turning out white, right? We, I, I definitely want to see, you know, some kind of uh, 
you know, a, a appearance change, right? Which kind of feeds into how Allegheny's looked in uh, New Hope. I would love to see if, if Disney could kind of incorporate that at some point. I, I think that would be really cool. Nick, to be fair, they also, at the end, his outfit that he, he's in basically is the one that he uses. Like, there's comics that show some of the adventures after this point. He's basically in there. So this is telling you, oh, like, this ties into all that. That's right. Yeah. The uh, outfit is, like you said, from comics. And that's nice. That's a nice nod to show the transformation, like like Michael was just talking about. Yeah, I would agree with that. I do think as a whole, I don't know if anybody disagrees with me here. I think the, if, if the mission statement here was to show that Obi-Wan goes from the Ewan McGregor version, who's blaming himself for what happened to the galaxy, to the Alec Guinness version, who, you know, is like the magical wizard in episode four. I think they they nailed that here. I don't think I think that's by far the best part of this show, this show. Yeah, I agree, and I and I also think, uh, and I'm sure you you guys have picked up on it as well. I feel like um, the way Obi Wan talks in the show is is starting to get towards more how the original Obi Wan Kenobi, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the mannerisms and 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 just shows how much continuity there was there, at least, right? We, we there was a lot of us very worried that they were going to break canon, but I think we overlooked the whole character, the character as a whole and what the actor was doing to try to, like I said, bridge that gap between episodes three and four, because obviously different actor, different voice, different way of talking. And you kind of see that evolution throughout the series for him to get to maybe closer to what a new hope was for that character. Absolutely. Let's go to his uh, antithesis here. Go to Darth Vader for a minute here. And Mike, I want to let you in on something here. It's like, there was a point, I think after episode four, when I was texting the thing, I said, when we do the feedback show with Mike Brescia, we're going to have a conversation whether Hayden Christian's presence in the show was necessary. And we get all the flashbacks in five. We get to see him acting without the, at least half the helmet in six. I thought it was fun to see the progression of Vader here. I think Nick, Nick made a great point last week about how the Vader persona basically is like him being, having like a dual personality disorder here where he has a little bit of the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing going on there. What do you think about what we got out of Vader this season? Yeah, you know, I uh, I agree because, uh, you know, this is Vader, right, 10 years after the events of uh, episode three. You know, he's still he's still young, right, rather young. And I, I think he still has, you know, a lot to learn to be that ruthless villain that we saw in the original trilogy. You know, I think there's still that conflict there. And especially with uh, Obi-Wan in the picture, there's just a lot of emotions. And, you know, one of, one of the rules is, you know, you have to make sure, you know, your feelings are clear, right? Especially as, as a Sith, you know, you, you want to be clear of, of, of those emotions. But uh, Vader, Anakin, you know, at this point in the show, he's still very tormented. And like I said, with Obi-Wan coming into the picture, we get to see that. In terms of the dual personalities, I thought it was fantastic when his mask was flash and you hear both Anakin's voice. Darth Vader's voice just kind of merging in. I thought that was a really awesome effect. Uh, I thought that added tremendous value in in the show. And just like you said, you know, just just seeing his progression um, at this point was you know very very valuable to his character. Yeah, Pete. This is also something that I think echoes in Rebels too that they sort of took inspiration from this fight because the same thing happens there. You hear Anakin for a second, then it goes back to the Vader uh, tone with Ahsoka when she gets the other half of the helmet sliced off and tries to connect with him there. I do think we got some fun parallels of seeing like where he's going and seeing the, that he's still driven by the rage. He still has tunnel vision and that these things are going to be sort of like impacting for a while. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Padme said it best at the end of episode three. There's still good in him. I mean, that's just that's just something that's been a theme throughout Anakin's character arc over six movies. Uh, Clone Wars, it's always like he means well, but he's not doing it the correct way. And just it obviously, you know, turns out that he's, you know, Vader and, and it becomes a bigger problem that they anticipated. Um, but I do like to see that parallel between Rebels, right? It's kind of like paying homage to that show a little bit, saying like, hey, we're going to do a live action, which was honestly awesome. It shows what really is going on in Vader's head from personality wise. I mean, we didn't see that level of um, scrutiny when it comes to a character's mental state since maybe Darth Maul or excuse me, Maul in the Clone Wars, right? Um, where you actually get to see the inner workings of, of what they're thinking. They've gone insane or what, what, what exactly is going through their mind. So I really like that they, I don't want to say humanize Darth Vader, but we always see Darth Vader in the suit. That's all we see. This, this big brooding, like badass guy in a suit that has a monotone, ish voice that's being made for him that is just like i don't care about no one and we, we get to see that side of like hey that's still anakin in the suit that's still someone we we grew up with the character as and, and we know from clone wars and had a padawan and tried to do the right thing and just pretty much everything bit him in the ass too many times to the point where it was like well if palpatine's giving me a way out this this is the way to do it um so it was nice i i think Vader's character in the show was was phenomenal yeah, Nick, I also think there's a little bit of, like, Joaquin Phoenix Joker energy there with him where, like, you see, like, the good and then you see the the other personality merge out here. And I do think from as much as a bad rap as Hayden Christian got in the prequel, I think he they did prove it was worth to bring him back here. Because I think he did add a lot. I agree. I mean, and say it like it is. He's nuts. Vader's yeah. nut. He really is. Which is not really unbelievable, the amount of suffering he's gone through. Think about it. At this point, it's been 10 years suffering people are probably crazy at that point right yeah probably go off the deep end which it looks like he did definitely think i I mean i you can search the internet i'm sure you could find it but i haven't heard one person complain about hayden christensen in this show i haven't either i'm sure you could find it if you look hard enough but yeah i agree with that let's go to the, the character the internet has complained about quite a bit in this show here We'll talk about Reva here. And I mean, she shows up, she's angry. She's trying to find Kenobi. She, we end up warning later on that like she's on hinge because she was one of the young ladies you see in the, the flashback sequence at order 66, the beginning of the show. And Anakin basically tries to kill her. She goes undercover with the inquisitors to try and get revenge on Anakin. And it's sort of like an anti-hero in her sense where she doesn't, she wants revenge. She doesn't care. Kenobi gets killed in the path of it. We see at the end that she basically abandons the dark side. She is trying to move forward. We don't really see her again after she gets that talk about Obi-Wan here. But Nick, as the biggest, like, person who I think has brought the most Reva stuff in this podcast, like, what do you think about the journey this character went on here? And this character went through a tremendous journey. And I think it's actually incredible how, I, in my opinion, I know people might disagree, a character can go from so bad to really good. I think by the end of the show, I think she was actually really compelling and I'm really interested to know more about her. I think the the beginning of the show, by not telling us that her plan made her seem like she was overreacting and over actor. That's Moses Zingram being an over actor. And the show was just overdoing it. It was cringy. It was too much. And then you realize 
Well, the reason she acts over the top is because she's not really a dark side user. So it actually makes perfect sense. And she got lost in doing that. And that's how she turned to the dark side. So you've never seen anything like that in Star Wars before. We have someone who turned to the dark side by accident, if you think about it. And I mentioned this before, at least in TV shows and movies and the comics and books, it's different. But at least in TV shows and movies, we have never seen a character turn good and then survive. They always die right away as soon as they turn good. So it's interesting if this is true that we're going to get some sort of Reva spinoff. Or even if we don't and we just meet up with her again at some other point in the future, it's interesting to see what the character could be up to. Could be, Like I said, we've never seen that before. What would happen with Vader if he didn't die? Like it, to me, I think Vader kind of died on purpose. I feel like Luke could have put the mask back on, could have dragged it off the ship, and they could have just lived. But what if Vader lived at the end of Return of the Jedi? He could have, I don't know, made friends with his son and daughter and his new son-in-law and Han Solo and stuff, right? It could have been a happy family. So we never got to see that, though, and we might get to see that with Reva. Yeah, Mike, what do you, what do you think about what we got out of Reva here? Yeah, you know, this is, I think, one of the issues that I had with this show not being a movie, right? Because there was so much scrutiny, as Nick said, especially at the beginning with Reba, right? There was a lot of uh, a lot of emotions about her, and like you know, like he said, you know, being an overactor and you know, kind of overselling it, and people were taking this, you know, face value, right? And they weren't really taking a step back and letting everything progress and play out. And that's why there were all these, you know, all these comments, you know, a lot of hateful comments, actually, which is not good. Um, you know, definitely didn't appreciate that. But, you know, then giving some time to see the progression of Reva's character and, you know, knowing what she was all about, as Nick said, you know, it, it made perfect sense. So, you know, because they had to make this, uh, you know, six episode show, there was some time for people to not understand fully what Reva was about. So like I said, if this was made as a movie, then there wouldn't have been any issues in regards to Reva's character and we wouldn't have had to deal with all this uh, all this craziness. But I do agree with Nick. I think Reva was a great character. Um, being part of the Inquisitors, kind of uh, infiltrating uh, the system and you know being a, a youngling and turning and then you know becoming good. The one thing that I did mention to Nick not too long ago was Reva, to my knowledge, is one of the only characters in Star Wars who know about the kids, right? Luke and Leia. Yep. Um, I think that 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 wasn't. I, I guess we don't know her fate, right? You know, she wasn't. Uh, she wasn't affected by the events of the original trilogy, right? It's like where, yep. you know, what what happened to her? So I, I'm curious to see how Star Wars is going to play out this character, right? Because with, with having such knowledge of Luke and Leia, you know, how, how could she not be part of the original trilogy somehow? Like how, how could she not be part of that story? So perhaps there's, you know, there's, there's going to be new, uh, new content out there about Reva, but I'm, I'm just curious, like I said, to see how things are going to play out with her. So and we keep hearing that she knows about the kids. Uh, the only, she knows about Luke. I don't think she knows that Leia is Vader's daughter. She just knows that Leia exists, and she knows that Bale says the children. She doesn't know that Leia is Vader's daughter, though. That's true. I mean, I don't think she that she puts that together. She does. He does mention that Luke is Vader's son, which I mean. So she does. She knows Luke. 
And she knows Luke is Vader's son, but... The, and she knows, like, she knows that Vader has more than one child. She doesn't know who the other one is. Right. Yes. And Pete, before we go deeper into what could happen with Reva here, I do think that they brought up an interesting point here that I do think that if we go with the whole this is originally intended to be a movie angle here, I think that Reva's the character who's hurt the most by this because I think a big problem with her was just that the pacing of her story was they liked to have the surprise and they decided to put all of her basically backstory in episode five. And I think at that point, like, you sit through four episodes of bad acting and, like, cringy stuff and you're like, is there a bunch of people, including some of our previous guests around here, saying, like, I can't get over, can't, I can't get on board this character. They're way too long. They did too much damage to the character here. I do think that Mozinger got a bad, like, hand dealt by the writing team here because I think if they sort of thread some of these things in episode two, start dropping little hints about that she, there's a little more to her than meets the eye. We would have had more patience with the character than we did, which was basically, like, screaming and being, like, completely a lunatic for, like, four episodes. I, I disagree, actually. I think that this was great for the character. I think being able to have such a strong opinion about the character and then be corrected by what's going on was actually better for the character than just seeing it coming. Yeah. I do agree with you though, that the pacing, the execution was terrible. I think the backstory of Riva should have been at least touched upon in episode three, the latest, the latest, because it's only a six episode series. They, they really missed an opportunity with the inquisitors and Riva I felt like they could have done a lot more with the Inquisitors. I felt like they could have done a lot more backstory fitting into, like I said, a better pacing of the character. Except I don't know if you want to put all of your eggs in one basket with that character. I think the look, the hate speech and all that crap is just uncalled for. There's no room for it, right? You can not like the character or the or even the acting done by the actress and say, look, the the, the person's not doing a great job as the character. However, just like most shows, you don't get the whole story until the season finale or even the show finale. Um, you know, we keep bringing up that, oh, it might have been better in a movie. It might have been worse if you have to squeeze in that in two and a half hours than six. So I, I don't know. Look, it, it, we could very well be saying, well, we saw the movie in one sitting. So I like the character. You can watch this series in one sitting if you wanted to and spend the four hours and you could say the same thing. I think that. Obviously, we may have a little bit of recency bias because we understand the character more after watching episode six. But I think we had to suffer with this character to understand the suffering the character has in general to really to really like get why she's forcing it. And honestly, thank God Nick's around, because if Nick didn't point it out, I wouldn't have gone as in depth as it. I would be like, OK, it makes sense. She's not really like she's just playing the part, but like it, it makes sense. And I feel bad that the actress had to hear personal attacks because there's no room for that at all, like I said. Um, but I think growing with the character is, is the main part of a story. Same thing with Hayden Christensen, right? I mean, a lot of people didn't like his performance in episode one, two, and three. And then Nick said, well, why do you think he talks like that? That's how Vader talks. It makes total sense. And then it, Hayden Christensen did not get one word of bad press, at least like we said over vader and he still says the corniest shit right it's like it's still the vader stuff and no one's like he's a bad actor that's vader so i think now that we know that that's reva i don't think we have to worry about it anymore but to to, to sum all up the execution of the character was crap they needed to start her backstory in at least episode three the latest yeah i think that's the big issue i had here because i mean let's be honest here i think the big takeaway from this show is that we're gonna get more of reva somewhere because i mean this is a character who we heard priped up here it's like 
You got to be patient with this character. You're going to love what Moses Ingram does at the end of the show, which we we all did. Not everybody did, but some like a lot of people did. Like as Nick has brought up here that, and I brought up off the air, people I said, you know, like she's the first real like person to redeem themselves on the dark side that actually doesn't die right away. You can see what happens with them. That there's a lot of areas of character play in here in terms of like where she could pop up in things. I do think we are definitely seeing more of her. And this is also, I think, a good thing for Disney, which is trying to be more diverse and, you have a woman of color who is giving interesting performances in here. It's a good person to have in the Star Wars universe here. So I'll start with you, Pete. Where do you think we see Reva next? She do, Does she get her own show? Remember, she pop up in something like Andor or down the line or maybe in Ahsoka or something like that? Like, you, Where do you think we could see Reva again? So I, I think we see Reva in something that's not already announced. I don't I don't know if she could fit in anywhere. Um maybe Andor, but I don't, I don't know the timeline. I can't say that for sure. And I also think it's just way too close. Right. I, I feel like with these characters, a lot of the times the production companies in this case, Disney wants to see how the character does on screen first before they start injecting them into other series. So I think we're going to see something that is not majorly announced yet. I don't think we see her in the Mandalorian. I don't think we see her in Soka. I think we see her in something that's either a spinoff um, or if we, you know, if there is an Obi-Wan season two or a spinoff of Obi-Wan that becomes part of that storyline, I, I just, I can't see Reva being in something that's major that's already been announced. Nick, what do you think? Um, I think they have to start like that and start by putting her in something that hasn't been announced and seeing where it goes. I think if she's in Endor, which... To my knowledge, it's a few years after this show. I think about four or five years later, she could be in the show, see if people enjoy it. You know what I'm saying? People see if people are not going crazy again. And if they're not, then, yeah, let's, you know, maybe Star Wars Celebration 2023. We have a Reva show announced. Yeah, Mike, anything you want to add here? Any other predictions about where you could see Reva pop up? I think I second everyone's opinion here. Um, definitely could see if they create a uh, season two of Obi-Wan. I'm sure she'll oh, be yeah, that too. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure she'll be involved at some point, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I think my big prediction here, I think is that we see her, I think they, I think whatever plans they may have had for a direct spinoff, I think they may like put them on ice a little bit just to try and get the eyes more and more of this character. I think, I'm, I'm, if I believe season one of Andor is completely filmed right, I don't think she leaks out she's in it. I would not be shocked if we see her in season two of Andor to try and reintroduce the character, give her a couple episode arc, and then try and put her in her own thing after that. Yeah, that would be that'd be nice. I think season one of Andor is supposed to take place over, I think, only five years before the Battle of Yavin, and then the the second season is from four on, four until right before Rogue One. I think, so I think four is going to be very Rebels heavy and Rogue One heavy. Yeah. Or is it, I said four. I think season, season two. You know what I meant? Season two. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I think that you you could find a place to squeeze her in there and give her a little arc because it's again like this character. Essentially, if she does stay on the light path and tries to make up for what she's doing, you figure she get involved with the rebels at some point, Pete. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I just to add one more point. I don't think I heard this much backlash over the character development of Ray. Right. I mean, I, I feel like more people are accepting of Ray's character than Reva. And I feel like Reva's a stronger character. Ray literally just gets plopped into the Jedi Order, just plopped in. Right. It's just like, boom, you're a Jedi. It makes no sense. Is she a strong actress? Yes. 
especially for what she had to deal with, right, right, with that, with those movies and that writing and the back and forth. I think Reba's a much stronger character, and I don't think I've heard anything. I don't want to say poorly about Ray, but I haven't heard this much criticism about Ray's character than I did in the years she's been in the movies. Then I, you know, there's been more bad press about the character, I would say, or the, at least the acting, the character, or whatever, in the past three weeks of Reva than there was in the entire like three movies of Ray. So I just, I don't know. I, I think that people need to open their mind a little bit more to the actual emotions of these characters and not nitpick, right? I always say it all the time. We're talking about a series and, a, and movies about people flying through space using light swords to defeat evil. It, it's cool, but it's fantasy. It's not real. That's why nitpicking on a show like this can get really annoying really quickly. I will counter you and say Kelly Marie Tran is Rose Teagle got a lot of the same crap that Re- that Reba was getting. And, that, and look, I could be wrong. I could be wrong that they that that she wasn't. I just know that Reba's a stronger character than Ray, and I didn't see the bad press. If it was out there, then I stand corrected. I just just saying from like my experience. Yeah, I say I don't think the that was there for Ray. I'm saying more for like Rose's character. That character got a lot of bad, bad press. Yeah, but I mean, it's a it's a one movie and done thing, right? I mean, it's it's like it's kind of like old news with that one. This is the majority of the series. Still think it's a strong character. Yeah, but Nick, the problem I see there is that basically they one of the big things they rewrote from eight to nine is basically took Rose and basically shoved her in the background so nobody could deal with her again. So you wonder like if they're going to try and ice Reva a little bit if they've learned. Yeah, isn't that, a, isn't that an issue that in between two movies of a trilogy that's supposed to be planned out, they were making things up on the fly? Yep. Yeah. The big issue in my book. It's big, it's big issue in my book. Let's go rapid fire a couple other things here. So, Mike, uh, we get young Luke... A little bit. We got a lot of young Leia. Did you like how they handled this? So I uh, I agree with how they went about doing this. You know, keeping you know keeping Luke kind of in in, in the background, not really uh, focusing on his relationship his relationship with Obi Wan, and really honing in on his with Leia. I think that when we see New Hope. And we see the distress call coming from Leia, right? Reaching out to Obi-Wan, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. You know, it, it, this show definitely provides more context to that. Uh, I think that when you listen to that distress call, right? She goes, General Kenobi, you know, years ago, you saw my father in the Clone Wars being very diplomatic. I think there was a reason to that. I think it was just to make sure that people weren't aware of the connection that they had was actually closer than what people uh, perceived uh, because that could cause some issues, obviously. But I think it, it did a great job really honing in on that relationship and, and just bringing further context and developments of what we uh, see in the original trilogy. Yeah, and Nick, this is a show, a franchise now that has become a worry to recasting because we heard them, again, they dumped on Solo, said all the network basically why it didn't work, so we're going to not recasting one. I wonder if considering that, especially Vivian Lyra Blair as young Leia was very well received by the audience for the most part. I mean, we had people out there like John Stanger were not big fans of her, but I wonder if this will get them to reconsider their position going forward. So, you know, we can do this because I mean, the main character of the show himself, Elon McGregor was a recast of Al Guinness. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I kind of agree with Stanko. I mean, also in the middle, like I thought the actress did a great job. 
but I thought the character was really annoying and really dumb. I liked Leia a lot in the beginning, and then like once the second episode was over and they got off that planet. What was the name of the planet for episode two? Uh, Dayu. Once they got off Dayu, I was like, okay, her character's done. We don't need her anymore. But no, they kept her around to sell more toys. Yeah. So I got a little annoyed with it, but I think her character was over, though, and I think it got annoying after that. So I do kind of agree with Stanko in that sense, but that's not the point. Your point is that are they going to continue to recast characters, or will they shy away from that? And I think they'll continue to, because I think we may not, or me and Stanko, excuse me, me and Stanko may not have enjoyed it. Some others may not have, but the real general majority of people loved Leia in this show. Thought she was the star of the show, so they're going to continue to do that. I think that'd be a pretty positive to come out of this as well, because we said, like, you know, like there are directions that you can take Luke and Leia in the more, like, at post-episode 6 timeline that we can't do without recasts, in my opinion. So I do think if, hopefully they see this and don't Make, and say, okay, this is good, and Ewan McGregor being recast Alec Guinness was good, and not, you know, oh, Alvin Arrack, we can't do this again. Yeah, if they cast Leia and Luke correctly, I think it, it could be done no problem. You're going to have the people that nitpick, of course, and be like, well, that's not the same actor, actress. Like, uh, obviously, they're no longer with us. We, we can't, you know, uh, you know, Princess Leia is no longer with us, the actress, and Luke does not look anything like he did when he was younger, and he's also a lot older, so it's hard to de-age, right? Um, and you don't have that kind of budget to do it for an entire movie. I, I like that we didn't focus on Luke because we already have Luke's story. We didn't have Leia's story before episode four. We didn't. We only knew that she was born and then episode four. That's it. So I'm glad that we centered the show around her. There were times where she was an annoying character. I, I notch it up to her being a 10 year old. Um, I think the casting was great. I think the actress did a good job, but I can also understand that at times the, the character was annoying. It's like, okay, like you're not an electrician. How the hell did you just open up a blast? No problem. Like, there's easy ways to get around it. And they didn't do that. And fine. Again, lightsabers and stuff like, come on, can it pick that part? But it's it. If they can recast someone that is close, recast to a younger leia in between i i, I say why not i uh, go for it we already have luke's arc we, we we've we've i feel like we've beaten to death all these different characters except for leia i feel leia is like the only one we didn't get everything yet so we could go further with leia yeah i think there's something to watch going forward here and i want to go next to one of nick's favorite topics from rebels here the inquisitors and we got them teased heavily in the trailer. It took a big left turn from the actual show when we, the show got there. Because basically, once they got the all wrong, we never saw the trailer or any stuff again. We get the Grand Inquisitor, who dies for three episodes, and he comes back, and then he's basically there. We get the fifth brother and the fourth sister standing around, doing nothing for most of the time, and trying to look menacing, not doing much. We, Reva was the other Inquisitor here. We didn't see any of the other ones that are falling around in can here. Nick, do we really need them? I do think so. Very much so. I think that these characters do exactly what you just say. said. They stand there and they look intimidating, and that's really, really, really important because you have people who will then text me and you and Pete and Michael and say, these Inquisitor guys are from Rebels, right? And I go, yeah, that's where they originated. And they go, oh, should I watch that show? And I go, yeah, you should. And then they watch the show. So that's the way, oh, they're from Fallen Order, right? I played that game. And then people start playing, should I play? Should I play the sequels coming out? Should we play that? And that's why they're in the show. 
Yeah. Now, did they add anything to this story of this show? No, not at all. If anything, Rupert Friend, I think, was an awful job as the Grand Inquisitor. I think he was the worst actor in the show. But now let me rephrase. He did the worst, he had the worst performance in the show. I think he's I know you had know him from a lot of other things. I they believe he does a good job, right? Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite characters in Homeland. Yeah, so he does he definitely knows what he's doing outside of this. But um I think that in this show, no, they serve no purpose whatsoever. But should they have been in the show? Absolutely, because I, I can't tell you people that ask me about the Inquisitors and where they can get more of them and what's their story. Oh, what's this like? Oh, their lightsabers are cool. How does that work? Like that's the point is now I'm going to go back and watch Rebels because I saw that. And and buy toys if you're a kid. Buy toys and play Fallen Order and play Jedi Survivor when it comes out, which is when? Next year or September? Yep. I mean, not September, January. I think at some point next year. I don't know exact, exactly the timetable on that is. All right. But yeah. yeah, I think that's why they're there. Yeah, and Pete, I turns Also, the- real quick, sorry. Like, yep. you can't have a show at this time period and not have them because we know they exist at this time period. Yeah. So just, you have to have them. I just think we could could have done more than had them be a little more than just like furniture, basically. That's what, that was my my critique. I agree in the terms of this story. Yeah, and P, I think specifically with the Grand Inquisitor, I get why they did what they did because in terms of trying to, if you're trying to make Reva the like secondary antagonist to Vader, that like if he's around, he's just gonna stifle her growth. So like it makes sense they say, oh, you know, like we're just gonna kill him put him off screen for few episodes and then just restore Cam show up at the end of the series. But like, for me, it was a waste because this character we know can be like really fun, a really great villain. And then we don't even get to utilize him because we had to promote Reva's arc here. Yeah, I, I get it as well. I agree with you. I, I think this is a blown opportunity. I think that for what Nick said, it makes sense, right? You, it's a callback to rebels. It's a callback to Jedi fallen order. And it, and it makes you start thinking about the other, um, properties that Disney has for Star Wars now, right? Um, however, I really, I really think they just they kind of blew it. I think they could have done so much more with the Inquisitors. Again, very cool to see them in live action, but I, I think the only Inquisitor to light their lightsaber was Riva, and um, and the Grand Inquisitor, right? Yeah. I don't think I ever saw the other two light their lightsaber. Um, could be remembering that wrong, but I. I don't know. I, I don't know how you could add more to it. Uh, granted, you know, we talk about run times and season length. You probably could have put more into it about the Inquisitors if you wanted. But uh, like Nick said, and, and I'm sure Mike Brescia and yourself are going to are going to mimic my the point here is that they're there because the time period calls for it. They're cool characters to have. And for lack of a better term, they're kind of placeholder characters to keep the 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 timeline, you know, current and and relevant. Yeah, like I don't know how much familiar you are with the, with the Inquisitors before this show. I don't know how much Rebels you got into here. Like, did these guys like get you interested at all when you saw them on the screen? Or you sitting here like, man, I wish they did more with these guys. No, absolutely. I think having the Inquisitors introducing the show, I think, uh, I think it, it, it introduced them to other people who may not have seen Rebels and uh, you know played Fallen Order. And I think it, it entices interest for those who haven't, you know, partaken in in, 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 in the show and uh, you know, and in the video game, you know, just really, you know, really uh, getting them to inquire about about these characters, right? It, it helps to expand their knowledge of Star Wars, um, allows them to, you know, it, it opens things up for them to get into all the content that's out there. The only thing that I thought was interesting was just how they kind of 
incorporated Reva's story with with you know becoming the Grand Inquisitor, and then you know at the end when uh, they they you know they were able to you know sense her her true you know her her, her true uh, feelings and you know what what her true intentions were, and you know I, I think leaving her out to die like that and not actually finishing the job kind of did them a disservice. I think that was a flaw um, that relates to the Inquisitors that way. I, I think they could have done something better in that regard. And, you know, to mimic what Nick and Pete said, you know, having them, you know, uh, <clears throat> be involved in, in a more, you know, more active capacity in the show, I, I think would have been beneficial. But, you know, like I said, it, it does introduce these characters to people who may have not watched Rebels and play Jedi Fallen Order. And, you know, it, it, it does help, you know, create that bridge. I think it does, and let's go ahead to real. We'll go quickly around the horn here. I mean, we get the duel, the century, the rematch between Vader and Obi Wan, the Rocky Moon, and one of the best parts of the show here. But let's do a little bit of uh, historical purpose here. So he's all seen all the movies, all the lightsaber duels. Like, is this like where on your board would you say this falls, Mike, in terms of lightsaber duels? Like, how high would you put this? So. In terms of this duel, right, I think that it does fall pretty high in terms of how realistic it could be in, in, in terms of uh, the progression of these characters. You know, seeing, especially in, in the last duel between Vader and Obi-Wan, seeing them really giving it their all at this point, you know, they're both older. Uh, Anakin is in this, this you know, this, this huge suit that kind of, uh, you know, holds him back from being able to perform all these moves. And from my understanding, uh, the Emperor did this uh, on purpose to, you know, ensure that Anakin doesn't act out of rage with all of his power, you know, kind of limits his uh, capacities in that manner. So, you know, being able to see Vader really giving it all his might in this suit, and then Obi-Wan kind of taking a step back in, uh, you know, in, in his style as opposed to what we saw in the uh, prequels, I thought it was uh, I thought it was great. I think it, it served well, and to me, it, it does rank up there. Uh, obviously, it's not high flying like we saw, you know, in in the Revenge of the Sith, but it's you know I, I think it, it did, did its job, and I think it was uh, you know, an effective duel. Yeah, and I go back by look at my list in terms. I did rate them my favorite duels. They went through all the movies. I do think. There's a, I think there's a case for this one. I might reason by say this could be top five. I have to go back and check the list of the exact order here. I do like though is that they sort of merge a couple of things here. One is the far, best parts of the Yoda uh, Count Dooku duel where they were using the Force to fight each other. That was fun, and I did like the emotion of this fight as well. Especially the light tripping, which we neglected last thing. I was bombarded with text about this. Was especially when this helmet gets covered, we see. The blue light when the Anakin part of Vader's coming out and the red light on his face and the Vader side coming out. I thought like that stuff was very well done. I think that didn't enhance the duel. It did. Uh for me, let's say the duel was not very high on my list, towards the bottom half, probably. And not because it was bad. I think it was a very good duel. It was great. I don't have any issue with it, but I just know the state there's no stakes to me because I know what's gonna happen. And it's the only duel where I know what's gonna happen. Even in duels where I knew it was going to happen, like Obi-Wan versus Anakin on Mustafar, I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew Obi-Wan was going to win this fight. I have no idea how. I have no idea why. I have no idea what's going to happen after this fight. It didn't matter what happened. Anakin could have won the fight. Obi-Wan could have won the fight. Episode 4 still would have happened. 
So it was, although it was a great fight and it was a great moment and one of the best moments in Star Wars, it just didn't have any stakes to me. Yeah, P, how do you rate this duel? I know, I think last week you were talking about how you like it was just so dark and like that was like um, yeah. intentional and like you thought that did that detract from you for this? So I just I just want to thank Nick because I think he proved my point as to why The Empire Strikes Back is not a top five Star Wars movie. I think he proved it because we knew it was going to happen. So Vader telling Luke he's his father means nothing. So I'm just going to put that out there just to stir some some pots and try to try to get you guys annoyed. But uh, yeah, I, I number two for me, and that might also annoy some people. But number two for me, I think that the not only the choreography was awesome to see, you know, Vader finally showing his power in the suit. We haven't seen that yet, and I've I've mimicked this this point in the. Um, I mimicked this point in the podcast from the start where we saw Vader in this show. Um, we're finally seeing Vader full power in the suit. I love all of the the metaphors and all of like the Easter eggs and all of the the meanings behind seeing him inside the mask, the voice going in and out, the lights. Um, I think the Mustafar battle is the duel is better, but I to me, in my opinion, this is number two. Um, choreography, I, maybe not the greatest, but it. It, the duel meant a lot to me because we're seeing Darth Vader, how he truly is. And we haven't seen that in the suit. At least we've seen it out of the suit um, on Mustafar in episode three. We're seeing it in the suit. And uh, honestly, arguably for my, in my opinion, more powerful than he was in Mustafar. Mustafar was a lot of flips, and a lot of duels. This was like showing power. And I think that meant a lot. Yeah, absolutely. This did also give us some great memes from this duel. And Nick, I did put this in the Sky Guys group thread, and I want to share it in the in the video feed. I thought this is funny. This is from uh, Ravi underscore Wyman on Twitter, and you, Nick famously said in the podcast like, that Vader did not say it the high ground line. This meme here, he basically see Vader saying on top. He says, "It's overall we want. I have the high ground." Then we cut to over out the rocks. Says, "But Anakin, I have the ground." Fantastic. That's funny. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. I see Clone Wars is trending on the right and Maul. Yeah, I want it might be personalized to me though because I feel like I yeah, search a lot is. of Star Wars. It is because like is. I get a like because for even after Kenobi came out, like I was getting all the Star Wars stuff in my timeline. I was not seeing Stranger Things unless I went deeper into it. Yeah, that's that's definitely customized to you unless you hit. I believe unless you hit the explore. Yeah, it would not. I think a show if I hit show more, it would show me more. You hit explore and then trending, and they give you the real trending. But if yep. you just look on the right there, it's not going to show you that. Yeah, it's on the for you list. Yeah, yeah, and also right now, in terms of the a couple other things I want to touch here. Here, so quickly go around here, Pete. One thing that worked in this season. One thing that worked. Um, I I personally think the Leia arc worked. Um, there was a lot of things that worked. I thought Vader worked, but I again, unless you really botch that character. Vader, always going to work right i mean that's just something that's expected but i think the leia arc worked uh say what you want about the character how she goes about the rest of the episodes after her past you know episode two and three i think it works i think it's fresh and i i really i'm really glad they went with that uh nick something that worked for you uh worked for me is that they made a show that didn't kill the title characters which seemed like they were going to do you know sequels I think killed the original trilogy character, Boba Fett, buried his character very, very deep. And I think this actually this did not um this did not kill Obi-Wan or 
Vader at all. Enhance them. I would agree. Uh, Mike, something that worked for you. I think what worked for me was the lack of Luke's involvement in this show. Because like Pete had said before, uh, you know, we, we've, we have so much on Luke. You know, we, we really wanted to focus in on, on, on Leia's story with Obi-Wan and just being able to see that brief introduction at the end of the show when Obi-Wan gratefully goes, hello there. I think that was great. Uh, I think kind of, you know, I think that provides true value to the show, showing that Obi-Wan is kind of there as a, you know, as a distant uh, character to Luke. You know, Luke doesn't really know him, just as kind of a strange old hermit, right? So uh, I, I think keeping minimal contact between him and Luke at this point uh, is very valuable, uh, you know, for the, uh, you know, for the Star Wars story. I think the show did that pretty well. Yeah, and Nick, it's something we talked about like preseason. Like all the trailers basically were like, "Oh, Luke, Luke, Luke." It's gonna be like Obi Wan has nothing to deal with Luke. And then we heard the original draft of this thing before they rewrote it was that Maul was gonna try and kidnap Luke and Obi Wan to protect him here. So I thought it was nice that they made the left turn here and just used Luke as the decoy and had the story about Leia. Definitely, definitely. Although I would, I kind of want to see that other show, the Maul show. Kind of want to see that. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Even if it breaks the Rebels canon. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be cool to say. All right. I'm going to share the screen on mine because here, because I have a response to a tweet we did from last week's show about this. This is, I think Qui-Gon worked. I think the way they did him in the show worked. And our friend of the podcast, John Stanko, disagreed. I put up a clip on here on, on my Twitter. It's talking about, I'll share my thoughts on Qui-Gon's return. Stanko basically said, it was not needed. Should have ended with a hello there. And I responded a couple hours ago. I said, respectfully disagree. Well, the two missions they gave hashtag Obi-Wan at the end of episode three is to connect with Qui-Gon for more training. He tries throughout the series and finds able to, after being able to forgive himself for what happened to Anakin. I think this is well done because it's something that's threaded throughout the show. He tries talking to them in the part one, can't do it. They're talking about the ship in about part three, can't do it. You think he's going to try to talk to them in the rocks, they don't do it. They save it to the end here. I think this landed very well for me. I think the way they handled the Qui-Gon situation worked very well for me, Pete. I can see both sides. I, I completely agree with you where this was a theme in the show where he keeps trying to talk to Qui-Gon. And it's not happening. And then at the end, he finally lets go and he sees him. I don't know if it's needed, though. I mean, I, to me, that was a cameo fan service kind of moment. We, we know that Obi-Wan does finally communicate with Qui-Gon at some point. We knew this was going to happen. I don't think this is a, a surprise for the character, um, unless I'm assuming incorrectly. Um, needed? No, I don't think it's needed for the show. Wanted by fans and cool to see? Absolutely. Nick, what do you think about the Qui-Gon stuff, how they handle it? <clears throat> um, I think that once you started going down the road of him trying to connect to Qui-Gon, it needed to happen. But you didn't have to go down that road at all. I think it made sense, though, because like you said, that's the last thing that happened. As Pete said, though, we knew it happened. We didn't have to show us. But, I don't know, people probably want to see, right? Yeah, I think we got a lot of enjoyment out of seeing Liam Neeson on our screen again. Yeah, I think people people want us to see Qui-Gon. I, I mean, he was the first pick in our character draft, the first overall selection. Yeah. I, 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 know, see, I know why Pete didn't want it, because then it wouldn't be the tie that we have today, which, by the way, I did not tell Brescia. I would be honest if I did. I did not tell him the final results were a tie of the character draft we did. We'll get into it a little bit later in this pod, but... 
I did, you know, I did, did mention to you guys if I told him, I would tell you because that would be unfair of me to tell him and then be like, hey, vote for me, you know, and then not and not tell you guys that wouldn't be fair. But I did not tell him, so he is he does not know what we are referring to at this moment. Yeah, we're getting to that a couple of minutes. I have notes on that, Mike. Anything you want to add on Qui Gon? Were you excited to see Liam Neeson back? I mean, I thought it was fantastic to see Qui Gon back. It definitely pulled the heartstrings on uh, many of uh, many of the prequel fans. I thought it was great, but I thought that it was mentioned. I, I, and I forgot, you know, where exactly, but I, I thought it was mentioned that uh, that Qui-Gon did not complete the training to be able to reveal himself as a, as a full force ghost, right? He wasn't able to, to, to complete this, right? I don't know, I don't know, you know, if someone could, you know, kind of, uh, you know, confirm this, but, you know, in, in, in one of the shows, um, it, think, it was... Maybe Clone right? Wars. It was Clone Wars. Okay, so, so then that said... You know, by by him not being able to, you know, show himself to Obi Wan, you know, I, I think there's there's an issue there. Um, you know, first of all, I, I think that they shouldn't have done that in the Clone Wars because that kind of contradicts what Yoda was discussing with Obi Wan at the end of you know uh, Episode Three, uh, and then for them to kind of do a complete you know opposite 180 of that, you know, bringing it back to you know what Yoda had said, being able to communicate with the with Qui Gon, I thought. I thought that was interesting there. So, you know, due to what the Clone Wars did in this perspective, you know, that was one thing that I didn't like about this show is, you know, it kind of going back and forth with kind of the, the whole canon. Yeah. Of course, well, the reason that Qui-Gon was, the reason they said it in Clone Wars is because when you open a can of worms like this and you introduce Force Ghosts and then and Revenge of the, um, what are they called? Return of the Jedi. And you have the Force Ghosts there. And it's like, oh, there's Obi-Wan, there's Yoda, there's now Anakin. And then you go back and you watch the prequels. The question on your mind is, well, why couldn't Qui-Gon do that? Why wasn't he there? And then the answer is, oh, he never learned how to do it. So now that's not a question anymore. Yeah, but Nick, what, I, what I'm thinking in, in that regard, too, I mean, Luke has no idea who Qui-Gon is. I, I understand. Right. I know. So perhaps... You know, maybe maybe they can kind of tie that in in terms of the canon, because because Luke never had no actual, you know, uh, interaction with you know with Qui Gon, no direct interaction in that that regard. That's that's why he doesn't show himself to him. You know, with Obi Wan, it could be different. Obi Wan could communicate with with any fallen Jedi, right? With Qui Gon, well, well, at least any fallen Jedi who learned the uh, you know the path to immortality through, through being a Force ghost. So maybe perhaps they'll kind of incorporate that moving forward. And that can kind of explain why we don't see Qui-Gon at, uh, in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I think more or they could also do they could also do another, uh, you know, another edit of Return of the Jedi and just throw Qui-Gon in there. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> you never know what, what, what they could do in Star Wars. Right. Yeah, I think more of what Nick is referring to, I think Pete, you agree with me on this, is like basically in episode two when he's basically screaming, Anakin, no. And you hear like. Yoda hears it through the Force, he, but you know, at this point, why isn't Qui-Gon just showing as a Force Ghost talking to Yoda, saying something's wrong with Anakin, you should, you should help him? What, what, what they mean by... Go, go ahead, Pete. No, I'm so, I'm just saying Yoda's an idiot because it's just like, how many times has he been wrong? I mean, we I love Yoda as a character, and there's no disrespect to the character, but how many times does this guy miss things? And we're just like, but it's Yoda. Like, no, you, you missed the whole Ahsoka thing, which was huge. Missed the whole Ahsoka thing, which was huge. 
you 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 pretty much had Anakin with you for three movies and didn't know it was going to happen. You didn't know the, the the Chancellor was a bad guy for Christ's sake for this whole time until the end. They're like, we'll take a closer look. We think so. Well, what the hell is going on? Like, I'm sorry. Love the character. He was amazing. He's an idiot. You know what the hell is going on? He was like 900 at the time. Let the guy rest. What I was going to say was when Yoda said that to give him the training, what it meant was that I think you had mentioned this, Mike, Qui-Gon learned the path to immortality through his spirit not being able to appear physically. And that was the idea. Now what they just did was all they did. It's not a huge deal. What they did was they said. They retconned it. Yeah. Yeah. But they retconned it in a way that made sense because it's. There's nothing happened between Clone Wars and then, so, you, so all you have to do is write on the Wikipedia page, which they did, by the way, in the 10 years after he learned how to do it. Okay. Yeah. How yeah, can I you argue that. it? How can you argue that? I mean, he did. Too bad. I saw that update. I saw that update on yeah, Wikipedia. They just wrote, since then, he learned, since, since then, he learned how to do it. Okay. I mean, yeah. he has 10 years. He has enough time. He could, yeah. I mean, what else is he doing? I think Yoda did say at some point that you can only learn how to do that before you died, but not well, too bad. All right, next up here, quickly around the horn. What did not work, Pete, for this show? Um, I don't think Reva's story worked that well. I think they missed the boat, and I think the pacing was wrong. I think they had a really, really good chance to have a youngling try to get revenge on Darth Vader from Order 66, and they just completely botched it. And I, I think that's what didn't work. I think the character worked. But the storyline for that character was just a total miss. Mike, what did not work for you in this show? So uh, I think uh, what, like what I said before with the show not being a movie, right? You know, going to Pete's, you know, going to Pete's comments. Yeah, that, that would be a really, really long movie. Uh, but they could cut down some things, maybe put it out on Disney Plus exclusive as a movie, which they've been doing for tons of other uh, movies at that point. I think they could have done that, and I think it would have been better received. Uh, Nick, what's your big swing and miss for the show? The Empire. <laughs> they, they turn them into jokes in every show they're in now, and it's just and it's getting annoying how every single thing in Star Wars is the Empire, and that all started at The Force Awakens, where 20 minutes into the movie, you realize that the First Order is the Empire, and you're like, are you kidding me? We just, we just beat them, and now they're back? Like, enough with the Empire. They completely made them look. They made them look like complete jokes over the years, and tired of it. I don't want to see them or hear about them anymore. And if they do, make them at least look strong and competent. They look like idiots. Yeah, my issue is in general. I think is the pacing of the show because, as we said, this is something that Pete into a little bit here. Mike went to a little bit with his movie comment here. Is it's like certain stories are not spread out correctly, and certain things were racing through. Like Nick's favorite episode, episode four, there when we have Roken doing a heel turn in 30 seconds because we ha- don't have the time and the plot to justify it, and we're only spending, you know, 32 minutes, 35 minutes in episodes, and we're racing to get certain things in, and we're not doing a lot here. Like the pacing on this was way, 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 way off. Yes, it was. It's an easy too. That's what I don't understand. It's a, it. I'm sure, like like I said, when that episode came up, there was probably 10 minutes of that scene cut. I'm sure there was more to that scene. Sure, that debate. What scene? When, Broken. Like, hey, I'm not. Oh, oh, the road. Sure. Before they edited it, they had a lot, or at least a scene's worth that made it more natural. And they and Disney probably came in and said, "You can't have a 60 minute episode. What are, you, what are you doing? It has to be 35 minutes." And it's like, okay, what do we cut out? That's what we cut out. So I, 
it's an easy fix, but I, for some reason, we, we can't have an episode go past 60 minutes or even 45 if it's episode two or three or three or four of a series. I mean, I mean, Pete, it's not that hard. I mean, like, give me like at least like a minute or two of debate. Have you noticed that the Star Wars shows, the middle of the season has the shortest episodes? Yes. Even Book of Boba Fett, like the middle of the season was like 25 to 35 minute episodes. Why? Yeah. Mando I, think does I, this. I think I know why. Mando does this too. I remember I think Mando season one, I think the fourth episode was like 27 minutes. Like, I think I know why. I, don't, I can't speak for Mando, but because these these stories were conceived as movies and these are the fillers. Yeah, but I'm sure that they didn't film that scene with that poorly of writing. Like if you had good writing in some parts and others, that makes no sense if you have the same writer. If you had different writers, fine. But if you have the same writer writing or a group of writers writing the scene, I'm sure that scene is longer pre-editing. I'm sure of it because it makes no sense. It makes zero sense for the guy literally in 30 seconds to be like, you're not getting my help. You're getting my help. So I don't know what's up Disney's butt when it comes to that. Like just make the episode 45 minutes in the middle of the season. Just do it. No one's going to complain. No one's going to say, wow, that episode five was 45 minutes and there's the same length as episode one. How dare they? Like, no, just make sense of it. It's an easy, easy fix. Yeah, I was looking up here some of the wrong times for Mando season one. The one I was talking about here, I think like 35 minutes. Yeah, 32 minutes in there for chapter two. There's there a couple, bunch of 41s and 43s. They, the really long ones don't come until the finale, basically. Don't have any commercial restrictions, like at all. It's not like you have to sell ad space on them. I don't even think Disney Plus comes with commercials. I think when you buy it, that's it. It's Disney Plus. Yeah. There's a commercial package. You don't have to worry about ad space. You don't have to worry about TV. So what is the problem? Just make it 45 minutes. Hell, make it an hour. Who cares? Who cares? Well, Disney does, apparently. Apparently. It's annoying as hell because they can fix a lot of plot holes and a lot of these stupid little annoying writing blips in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat by just extending the runtime freaking three minutes. I'm not asking for another 45 minutes. I'm asking for three or four more minutes. That's it. I want to know if it's a Star Wars-specific problem, though, because a lot of their Marvel shows are not this short. But... Again, look, I'm with the book of Boba Fett, they had no content. That was completely <laughs> clear. Obi-Wan, they had enough that they could elaborate on stuff. They could have made this a 12 one-hour episode series and hit a shit ton of points. I'm serious. Like, they literally could have. They had the content. They had the Inquisitors. Nothing came of it. The backstory of Riva, nothing really came of it. Um, Broken. Broken. Nothing came of it except for the you could have done a whole thing about the path like they had so much content. What is the excuse? The excuse for Book of Boba Fett? Zero content. There's nothing to talk about. We get it. He survived the Sarlacc pit. Now he's back. Cool. This plenty of content. Zero excuses. Yeah, I agree with that. And speaking of all this content here there, they said that originally when they came out this Nick, it said this is a limited series as beginning, middle and end, which I think we can pretty clear, clearly agree that this happened here. But we started to hear the rumors of late. Ewan McGregor has been on record since this year. It's like, oh, I would happily do a season two because we all had so much fun doing it. Deborah Chow has said, like, it was conceived a limited series if we have a good story here. Then Kathleen Kennedy, I think, recently also said, hey, you know, like, paying on the viewership, if the audience is there, I'm sure we can figure something out here. So I am terrified, Nick, that they are not going to leave it off alone. They're going to try and shoehorn a second season in about two years. Um... I'm sorry. What was the last point you just said? I heard everything except the last sentence. They're going to try and shoehorn a second season. It's about two years. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. I mean, it comes down to the money and 
this show made a ton of it. I think that, you know, you're always going to find the nitpickers, absolutely, but this show was much better received than uh, than Boba Fett was. Not, maybe not, I don't think as good as The Mandalorian was. I think a lot of, I don't think there's really many people who don't like The Mandalorian. Yeah. And people want to see more of this show. They want to, and there you go. My concern is though, Pete, like, what are we doing for a season two? Because at this point, like, you can't have Vader come back again. I mean, you don't really have more to play with. What is Obi-Wan doing? Is he just hanging out with Qui-Gon and learning how to become a Force Ghost for a season? I mean, I don't know. I, I'd like to bring this to Brescia because I'd like to hear his thoughts on it. Because I, at the end of the day, I think we talked about this at nauseum, right? It's like, what do you do? And also, and Brescia, you know, you're up next on this. Like, I'm done with this timeline. I hate, I hate to be that guy. We talked about it. I'm done with this timeline. Let's do something different. We've literally have all of our content, literally all of our content, really, except for the sequels, are in this span of between episode one and episode six. That's it. All of the content. I want out. I don't want another season of, of Obi-Wan. I'd rather see Reva go in a spinoff or go into Andor because it's already been announced or whatever for seasons. I don't want anymore. And Brush, I don't know how you feel. Maybe you agree or disagree, but I don't know what else they could do for an Obi-Wan season two. I really don't. Well, you know what? I, I think that perhaps they can incorporate more of Reva's story in the second uh, season. You know, I, I think definitely going about Obi-Wan, uh, you know, it could be a little, you know, a little redundant at this point, right? Because like you said, you know, we, we have so much, you know, of this timeline, you know, and, and being able to see him perhaps communicate with Qui-Gon is one thing, but this could perhaps allow the show to you know, move on to, like you, like we've been saying, you know, being able to focus in on, on Reva's story, you know, after the events of the, the first season, without actually giving her her own show. I think they could do that, incorporate more characters uh, that way. I, I think I think that's a good way of them to do it. I don't think they could really bring Leia back in at this point. You know, I, I think they 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 finished that up, right? I, I think they did that perfectly. You know, being able to establish a relationship with Obi Wan and Leia. That's it. You know, Obi Wan shouldn't really be, you know, going back and forth to Alderaan to to visit her and, and Bail at this point. I think I think they should definitely leave that alone. But you know, perhaps like I like I've been saying, you know, in the second season, just you know, expanding it to other characters. Yeah, and Nick, I think there's one problem here with any future, potential future Obi-Wan show has not been brought up enough. I think I know it's a minor problem in the grand sea of things here, but think about this for a second. In nine years from this show's perspective, time-wise, Ewan McGregor turns into Alec Guinness, and Owen Baru turns into completely, like, decrepit old people in this one. So, like... How ridiculous is the maker got to be if you try and go, oh, four years now we're telling the Obi-Wan story? It's getting it's getting yeah, a problem. That is true. I mean, I agree with with Pete. I don't want a second season, but I think it will happen anyway. Yeah. But I don't want it. I would rather see, you know, Hondo and the Pirate Gang. But I don't think we're getting Hondo and the Pirate Gang. Maybe though. You know, we skeleton crew, I'm still holding out hope that that's about Hondo. Yeah, Mike, our, well, our big theory is. I was just going to add one more uh, one more note on, in terms of the second season. You know, and, and sorry to cut you off, Mike, but perhaps uh, you know maybe focusing more about this path, right? Maybe maybe you know Riva, you know, helps with the path, uh, you know, to um, 
you know, safeguard, you know, uh, traveling Jedi. Maybe we, you know, we could we can kind of focus in more on on that aspect and uh, you know that group of people in, in the second season. I think that could kind of open, you know, that that kind of story up as well. Just just a thought. If I may, Mike, really quickly, just to add to this, and I think Nick's right. I think there will be a season two. Season two of Obi Wan Kenobi will ruin the show completely. We are going to get Book of Boba Fett version 2.0 because there's nothing left to talk about except for Obi-Wan sitting in a cave talking to Qui-Gon Jinn. I'm dead serious. The only content that came from this show that you can talk about is Reva. We should not see Vader again because we see Vader again, fight Obi-Wan again. Now we're starting to really like press cannon about the last time I saw you, you were the master and I was still the impress. Like you can't do Vader. You can't do Leia. You could probably do Luke, but again, if they make season two what this show was supposed to be before they scrapped it, it's going to be Book of Boba Fett. It's it's not going to be good for the show as a whole. It's going to be recency bias. We're going to say season one was great. Season two was crap. And what if they leave it open for a season three? It's like, how much more are you going to push into this 10-year span that we don't need to see? I don't need to see Obi-Wan talking to Qui-Gon Jinn. We saw it, that little snippet at the end. It's done. It's done. There's nothing more. Mark my words. If they make a season two, which I think Nick is correct, and they will, it's going to be the book of Boba Fett, and it's going to be terrible. You got a point. Yeah. yeah I, I hear you. Nick, I'm convinced it's going to be some sort of secret apprentice thing. Obi-Wan has a secret Jedi we never learned about. That, that, that's my theory what they're going to try and do for this thing. I think it's going to fail miserably. I will say this. When they announced the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, Right after, I guess, they scrapped the plan for the movie. I did think, what is it going to be? Him talking to Qui-Gon in a cave? And it wasn't. So I, I guess they could come up with another idea. Like, we had no idea this would be about Leia, right? No. Could be. You can get, you're sprinkle some Maul in here. Sprinkle Maul and Hondo in. I'm in. All right. Well, speaking of characters here, real quick before we get to our end of the show wrap-ups here, we got a bunch of new characters in this show here. Pete, do any of them besides Reva resurface again, do you think? In live action or in general? Let's say in general. We'll get this a more wide berth. I think maybe... I don't even know. Like, uh, we're talking about characters that are new, right? Like, we, we know Uncle Mo is going to be in the movies, right? Like, yeah. stuff like that. Like um, The brand new ones. Maybe Haja. I feel like Haja is a good character. Um... I feel like that's it. I feel like everyone else is the, the new ones at least are just like not again, just for the show. And that's it. I don't really see anyone outside of Haja getting, getting uh, reprising the role anywhere. Nick, do you think your favorite character Roken could show up again somewhere? No, no I really don't think so. I think that the whole path thing, I don't think the path thing really hit with people, honestly. It's just another, we've seen it in every movie. It seems like there's always a rebel cell, always a rebel cell. We know what happens in about the about the year four BBY. They all combine and become one unified rebellion. We don't really need to see more of that. Yeah, but Mike also. Like, I mean, to be fair though, <laughs> you might see them in Rebels. I mean, in uh, Andor, because we're going to see the formation of the rebels in live action. In I'm assuming Andor season two could yeah. be the end of season one, but. I'm assuming Andor season two, so you might see the people from the path in Andor, I guess. I wouldn't want to, but you might. Yeah, Mike, that's my point. I think you can see both Haja and Roken show up in like Andor at some point, like help and like be like part of a rebel cell that forms the alliance. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I see the, the whole idea of the past being incorporated in Andor, right? I think, I think Obi-Wan kind of uh, opens that up to, you know, being, you know, being part of the Andor ser uh, series. And I think it's going to go more into depth then, um, at, 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 at that point, I think, you know, now that I'm thinking about it. Um, and then, you know, one character, which, you know, which we all know, uh, we didn't get a chance to see in this show was uh, Quinn LeVar. So perhaps we'll be able to see uh, him live action at, this, uh, at some point, right? I think you have to put Quinlan Voss with Reva. Yeah. Oh, I see. Very, very similar. That would make sense. I think that would make sense, right? I saw, very, very similar. I feel like he was just an Easter egg at this point, though, Nick. Yeah, but you, you need to know about Quinlan's backstory outside of the Clone Wars when he teamed up with Asajj Ventress, and it just makes it more believable that he would team up with Reba. her but i but i guess i see your point like it was just so people can point at the screen and go oh they said quinlan yeah i think that's what it was more than anything yeah you know he would be a good character pairing because i mean you could i mean the book there's only a book it's never actually made into anything so you could do like a, a live action flashback of that and not like really screw up the canon there pete yeah i i just i hate to be a dead horse but i just i kind of want to get out of this timeline yeah. I, I want old republic yeah, I want more new stuff here, too. And let's get now to a couple of quick wrap-up items here. So the characters wrap, as Nick teased earlier, we're going to go to the board here. Mike, this ended in a 6-6 tie because Pete got Leia in all six episodes of the season. Nick had a big comeback in the last episode. He got one from Qui-Gon, one from Palpatine, one from Bale to level up here 6-6. We've been debating for a week on how to break this tie. I've reached out to people outside the podcast. Do you have a thought here on who should get the edge in this tiebreaker? I think uh, just by looking at this, right, uh, I think Team Nick, to be honest, because I, I think there's more, there's a more variety of characters um, that were, that were revealed in this show. And obviously you have Leia, you know, Leia you see in, in, in every single show at this point, right, every single episode, but, you know, being able to incorporate more than one character, I think I would have to give it to Nick. Yeah, so to to reach out here in terms of, like, who actually, I spoke to three people off the air about this thing. I spoke to both our guests during the season, Alex Fasano and John Stanko, and potential future guest uh, Nick D'Alessio reached out to me too with his opinion on this one here. And they went two to one in favor of Nick winning the, winning this thing. So they felt that the variety of characters is more important than Leia's screen time. So when I do not do not share who said who, I would not like to know. Well, I, I gave yeah, I'll we'll not tell you who said who, but. I do think what we should do here is I think Nick should get the item. Pete should set the draft order for the next draft. Fair. I, Whatever. Whatever. You're not paying for the item though, Pete. So this is progress. I try. It's not like, you know, my character was not on screen the entire freaking time, but no, no problem. Yeah. No problem. Pete, no hard feelings over here. <laughs> I mean, it, it makes sense. Look, I mean, Nick literally got three out of the four characters. I got lucky with the one. So, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, so you're going to set the draft order for uh, the Andor draft. Sounds good. And Nick, you're going to bill me for whatever item you want from the either the Funko Pop collection or something Lego related. So you let me know. Uh, it's going to be, I, I think we're going to stick with Funko for the time being. I think it's the the way to go. All right, so you will tell you can tell me off the air what Funko you want, and then I will order it and I will give it to you after, before a softball game. I don't need to tell you off the air. It's right here. The link is about to be sent to the chat. He's been thinking um, about days. 
yeah. he, he knew it was in the bag too. He's like, nah, it's like Mike Bresch is coming on. Oh, I know he, he got me. He was in my wedding, you know, a little collusion. There's, there's only there's only two. There's only two I was deciding between, and they're, they're almost Grogu. And I, I, I don't need I don't need any more Grogu stuff. All right, so that will be taken care of. That will be get delivered to you before a softball game in the coming weeks here. Next up on the list, we're going to look at our MVP and LVP board for the season here. So, Mike, you have not had a chance to weigh in on this board yet. So here's what we are working with. I'm going to share this now on the screen for the audience watching on YouTube here. So Obi-Wan Kenobi was our season MVP at plus seven points. Darth Vader and Tala tie for second at plus three. Uncle Owen plus two. Leia plus one. Pika Amperu on the board last week plus one. Haja plus one from me. And our negatives, Bail Organa, negative one. He fell out of the positives for his, holog- his hologram uh, FUBAR in episode five. Leia's cousin from the premiere, negative one. The fifth brother, negative one. Roken, thanks to Nick, negative one. The writers, negative one. And Mike, we wanted to ask you here, should we retire the writer designation from this MVP LVP discussion here? Because we're giving the people credit for, character credit for good writing. Should we not ding the writers of the bad writing? <laughs> it, it's pretty funny to see the writers on on, on this uh, on this list. Uh, I mean, uh, being able to see everything come you know come to fruition. Me personally, I would take the writers off. All right, so we're gonna ban the writers from this from being eligible for this from going forward. Yeah, I, I agree because like Obi Wan got plus seven because of the writers. Yeah, I think we can. I think we'll just use Disney's our catch all for when we we hate production decisions going forward. Right. right. All right, so the rest of the list. Imperial Security, negative two from their episode four adventures here. Reva, negative two. I pulled her out of the bottom of the list last week. Then the tie for the last here. Disney, negative three. Nick gave them an LEP for letting the episode leak. Like the ending leak, Pete gave it for pacing. And then the Flea Gang from the premiere, negative three. They're the bottom feeders here. So we're going to add each add a point to this board this week here. So, uh, Mike, since you are the guest, you're not a chance to weigh in yet. Who are you adding to the MVP list? Who am I adding to the MVP you, you, list? You, you can add a point to somebody. You can add somebody new who's not on there. What you, you can do whatever you feel like. Well, taking a look at what we have so far, I I actually agree. Obi Wan is MVP, so you give him an extra point uh, on my behalf. And I think I'm going to tie the record for LVP. Uh, I think I'm going I'm to complete that with the Flea Gang. I think that scene of just trying to run after Leia. I think was just appalling. I think that was miserable to watch. Uh, it, it was cringy. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, to be honest, I don't know what was worse. That scene or the, uh, the speeder scene in uh, Book of Boba. I, I don't know. I, they, they were both very, very slow. And uh, you know, too slow for my liking. So, yeah, giving it to the figure. All right. So, Nick, give me your MVP that you want to add to the board or add a point to. Um... I'm going to add a point to Darth. Just because, like, Obi-Wan, like, I don't know, too many points, you know? Yeah. Like, how many times is he going to get a point? <laughs> like, Obi-Wan, I think, is the clear MVP of the show, but I think it's not that. It's like a blowout now, and I feel like Vader should get a point because it shouldn't be a blowout. Right. And I think it's amazing that they did this show and touched on a very sensitive time in canon did not destroy either character. And I'm going to go with Anakin because, or should I say Vader, because his character was not destroyed and they did a good job to protecting him. Uh, Pete, where are you at your final MVP point of the season? Uh, 
MVP, I, I'm going with Nick and Vader because Vader was always like a close second for me. He was always an honorable mention um, when it came to between Obi-Wan and, and him. So it's going to be Vader for me as well. I'm going to give my second, my MVP point here. I know what you're going to do. Say it and I'll say if I was right. What? It's, uh, I'll give you a chance here. You tell me first what you think I'm going to do. Tala. No. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Aunt Beru. I wanted to give her one last week. Pete did it. So I said, you know what? Here, like, she had a phenomenal episode. And, like, I don't um, think she always should get more credit than her for her, for their performance in that episode. So I'm giving Aunt Beru another point. All right. See, I was on to something. Yeah. Because I had yep. Beru in the mix. I saw Pete cover it. I was like, okay, I'm going to help Reva out here. So, I'll, so I wanted to get back to Beru. You know, when I saw that scene with Beru, I, I didn't know she had it in it. <laughs> I was like, "You go, girl. You go." That was, I thought she that was came great. out blasting. Yeah, she, she got, did. Yeah. Unbelievable. She, Loved it. I had my notes to give her an MVP point when she basically big backs like sass. Now it's like, whose fault is it that Obi Wan's not here? Yeah, I mean, my my point last week was like, if if it was up to Owen, they would have been gone. Yeah, they, they, and she's like, "No, we're staying here and we're fighting. I'm not doing this crap. Like, we need to stand our ground. So if it wasn't for her, this doesn't happen." And she made the great point. She said, "You know what, like." Let's not get other people involved in our match. We can clean up after ourselves. Again, strong character. That that was the strongest character in that in that uh in that episode. All right. Nick, I'm gonna save your LVP point for last. I have a good idea where you're gonna go with it. So, Pete, LVP point where you're gonna add to the board. Has to be Imperial Security. <laughs> there is no way they come out of this higher than the flea gang when a simple tap to a helmet just impairs a guy for like 20 seconds and they just can't do anything. Like if I can give five points, if I could just make them the worst part of the show, I would, but I know the flea gang is pretty bad. So they cannot be above them or at least they got to be close. So they're getting an LVP point, the extra one. I'm helping you out here. We're going Imperial security again. We're going to tie it up with the flea gang. Because that was back before us. Episode four was abysmal. Terrible. Yeah. And Nick, I have a, my guess for what you're going to do. Yeah, I think it's obvious. Do you want me to just say it out loud? Like, like I did for you. Yeah, and if it's right, I'll say it's right. Obi-Wan's boss. No. <laughs> no, not Obi-Wan's boss. Because I remember you said that if he showed up again, you should give him an LVP. True. I did, I did say that in the first episode. In the first episode, I said, for those who don't remember, I said, I want to give my LVP point to Obi-Wan's boss, but I won't do that because I know he's not going to show up again. And then he did show up again in the finale. But I, I just it has to be Disney. They let Obi-Wan Kenobi show leak online. The ending was 100% leaked. How? That's really bad. That's crazy. Like, how does that happen? First of all, how does it start? Someone at Lucasfilm tells a friend. Yeah, maybe a friend told a friend. And then, yeah, like, you know, like, like everything else spreads, like something that we've been all dealing with the last two plus years. But you think that's how, how it, like, it works? Like someone like at the company just tells a friend? Yeah, I'm sure he told a friend, told a friend. Somebody told a friend the press, like, hey, I know how this is going to end. Don't tell anybody. And then, it gets, and then okay, someone posted on the internet and there you go, right? Yep. yep. But that's real. I don't know. I mean, it's the only show that I've heard of that's been leaked, like at least these Disney Plus shows, right? Yep. So they didn't, they didn't leak. The Hawkeye wasn't leaked. Nope. Yeah. And to, to round out here, we have a three-way tie at the bottom of the LP rankings between the Flea Gang, Imperial Security, and Disney. I think that's very fitting for the show, Pete. It's, it's fair. <laughs> I did not see the Imperial Security doing better. 
than the flea gang. I, I couldn't. It was it was paining me. I was like, no, we got it. We got to up that. And, and Mike, I got to ask you, like, when you're watching the premiere, I don't know when you watch it. You watch it that night. You watch it the next day. Like, how shocked you see flea on your screen in the middle of the show? Yeah, that was pretty wild. You know, I, I, I was really watching uh, Jim out on the base at, at some point, but uh, you know, I, I thought it was pretty sick to see him. Uh, you know, see him on the show. I, I was actually listening to him in uh, in another uh, another radio show. Uh, you know, I, I think a couple of weeks before this, and there was no mention that he was going to be on uh, on Obi Wan. So, you know, I, I was actually pretty uh, you know pretty shocked. You know, that he he at least kept it uh, you know pretty well uh, hidden of the secret. But but just going back to the Imperial security though. To be honest with you guys, you know, to me, I think they were on par to how we've seen them from the original trilogy. Those stormtroopers who did not land a single shot against the, the, you know, the OG crew going into the Death Star, you know, trying to, you know, trying to escape. You know, I, I think, I think it, I, I think it sets pace to how, uh, you know, how how we actually see the Empire. To be actual joke. And to be fair, Mike, P and I double tapped this. We both played an LVP point episode four, and we did it again here between. The stormtrooper getting booped on the helmet. Reva basically like knocking out a guy in the middle of the base and no one reacting to it. The no shields on the Inquisitor base that they let Obi Wan and a child basically start like walk around with a cloak and nobody noticed anything. And you add in the uh, whole battle at the end where the fifth brother and the four sisters staying there watching and not doing anything. That was a all time bad performance. Yeah. Now you, and you know and, and to that point, you know you, you're definitely right. You know that 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 does set to a new low, but. I'm just saying that it, it doesn't, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that you know the Imperial Security Act this way. Also, did we uh, did we hear any Wilhelm scream in this uh, in this show? I don't I don't think so. I don't recall hearing any. I don't think we did. Uh, all right, all right. Now to last, like one of the last things here. I've been keeping the episode ratings all season long. I've not told anybody what they were because Nick wanted a surprise after the season because he felt like fair enough. I feel like the our ratings on Boa Fett influence each influence each score. Would you say that's correct? Yeah, definitely. All right, so here is the episode rankings according to us. This is the three of us and two episodes with uh, Alex Rosano and John Stanko here. So part six, the highest rated, 9.5. Then part one, 9.33. Part three, 8.67. Part five, 8.38. Part four was a flat seven, and part two was in dead last, 6.33. Nick, you look surprised. Um, I was surprised because I was reading it wrong, but I am also surprised. I think five was, uh, was well, first I thought part five was in fifth, and I was like, wow. Then I realized it was in fourth. I'm still a little surprised. I think it should be flopped with three, but whatever. Well, Pete, we can blame Stanko for that one, because Stanko gave the episode six and a half. Yeah, I think... I also think two and four should be flipped. Yeah, I, I think the part three gets a, a higher rating because of Vader. Yes, I, to be honest with you, I think Vader is what redeems that. But Stanko's is is a pretty harsher is a harsher grader than we are, I think. And I mean, look, he he knows what he's doing. He has his opinion, and he he does critiques of everything that comes out. So like, it's not like he's doing it just to spite us, right, or spite the show. And that's his his opinion. So that's why I brought five down. I mean, look at it's hard, right? We we have to sit here and rate episodes. But like it's per show because there were Boba Fett episodes because the Mandalorian that hit the eights when I think almost all of the episodes in this show might have been better than the book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian only saved it. Right. I, I just I think I think these are fair 
ratings. I think maybe we were just a little skewed for Book of Boba Fett. Because I remember we were talking about like how we don't want to like compare too much, but I just also can't see how four is not at the bottom. That's surprising to me. Yeah, here's the way I sort of see it here. And Mike, I want to know what you think about this. Is it worse for episodes to be actively bad like four was, or to be a nothing burger like two was? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think I would have to uh, you know agree with, with Nick's uh, opinion that four definitely should be lower than two, right? Two and four definitely the lower end of the ratings. Uh, part five, I think I think a little higher up. It, I, I think it gets you know it gets pretty close. I think you know with three and five, um, but uh, you know definitely you know definitely part six, like the last episode. I think definitely you know definitely gets the, the best episode of the show. Definitely a great idea though to keep this a secret. This is very like cool to see now. Been thinking back, like if you saw this every week, I don't know, it would influence my answer definitely, and I'd be like, oh, I got to put part four lower than I put part two, like this. Shows me I gotta think more carefully when I make those rankings. I know. I Sorry was, to interrupt you. What made part two go down so low? I think, I think it was. I think, we, I think we all gave it a six and seven. I think I gave it a five. I think it's probably why it's low. I think, I, Mike, I blame you because I feel like I gave this like an eight. I, I think know. I gave it a. I either gave it a six or a seven. You have to look. I will look back at part two at the at the rundown here and see what the what the range were. Cause I feel like I was the low man on two. And I was like, eh, this is fine. It's not nothing special. Look, and which is fine. You're entitled to your opinion. If you don't like it, you don't like it. And then and I think it's an aggregate, obviously, and an average of, of what we were all thinking. So but I was like, I was thinking about it, I was like, I, I didn't give part two lower than part four. Like I know I didn't. Yeah. But I, I'm looking right now. You two both gave it a seven, I gave it a five. Okay, so I mean, it, it could have, in theory, matched up with part four, but looking back, part four is a lot worse. Yeah, I'm going to go look at part four's grading overall right now. While we, but you also had four ratings for part four, right? Yes, Alex Fasano was in that rating as well. And Yeah, okay. I, I think he was, he had fun with that episode, I remember. Like, he was... High on part four, he was. Yeah, I'm going to look now at part four here. I was high on the Sky Guys part four. Yeah. Not Obi-Wan part four. I was not a member of the show. I was listening on the plane. Yeah. And I said, they did a great job. Yeah. Very proud. Yeah. So at that episode, Alex and I gave it seven and a half. We were just entertained. Despite how bad it was. Pete gave it a seven. You gave it a six, Nick. Yeah. I should have gave it lower than that, even honestly. I thought it sucked. Yeah. Well, so that's the that's the episode grades here. So now last matter here. Overall grade for the season. Fresh as the guest. You can go first. Overall grade of the season. Good question. I mean, the show, you know, was it perfect? Of course not, right? You know, as, as we discussed tonight, you know, there, there were quite, you know, quite a few issues, you know, with the show in terms of the pacing and, you know, what they could have done with some of the characters of the Inquisitors. And uh, I, I think, you know, Nick even saying, you know, with his opinion on, on Leia, you know, too much involvement with Leia in the show. But I think from what I said before at the beginning of the show, it did the job that it was supposed to do, provided more context between episode three and four of the uh, movies. It provided more context of Obi-Wan and his, uh, his falling out from the Jedi. Uh, you know, based on what happened at the events uh, after the events of uh, you know, Order 66 and Revenge of the Sith, and him, you know, kind of building up to the Obi Wan that we saw him to become in 
New Hope. So in that regard, I, I think I would give it, you know, I, I'll give it about, I'd give it an eight because, you know, there, there were a lot of great things, right? You got to see Darth Vader coming out, uh, you know, with, with his with his aggression, with all of his power, you know, as Pete said. I think that was great to actually see him, you know, full force with his power fighting Obi-Wan. You know, we get to see that, uh, we get to see that last duel between them, you know, prior to the events of New Hope. And, uh, you know, it builds the relationship between Obi-Wan and Leia. It does a lot of great things. Uh, it made me happy to see. So uh, that's why I give the, the rating an eight. I'll also match your eight. I feel like with this show, like, there were some really high highs. But the Obi-Wan stuff was great. The Vader stuff was great. You can't ignore the pacing. You can't ignore the issues they had with Reva's storyline spreading it out here. I think this is different than Boa Fett where, like, the Mando stuff was like a 10 and the actual Boa stuff was like a 3 and you end up with like a 6 overall. I think this is pretty consistent 8, I feel like. They were like one for episode, one done, and the rest were pretty good. Nick, you want to go next? Yeah, I, I think it's an 8 also. I think it was a great show, but not perfect. And I want people to understand when someone says it's a great show, we're only giving it an 8. This is different than school. You know, in school, if you get an 80, that's pretty good. It's not a great grade, though, right? Like, a great score is like an A. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not like, like, in school, you get a 6. If you get a 60, you failed. Here, if you get a 6 out of 10, that's above average. Yeah. So, I think an 8 out of 10 is a great score. I think it was a great show. I don't think it was a perfect show. I think there were issues, which, after this, and this is the last thing you have on the list, I want to add one more topic that I will run, but... Um, I think it's a, gr- a great show, not a perfect show, and I think it's perfect for it. All right, and Pete, your grade. So I was very high on the show. I'm going to give an 8.5. Uh, the Ooh. reason why I give the 0.5 is because I'm only docking 0.5 for the missed opportunities. I don't think Reva's story was bad. I just think they could have done more with it. Um, the full point comes off for pacing in episode four entirely. Um, if episode four is a better episode and if they paced it better, it's a 9.5 for me because I was I think this show is very powerful. I think the show bridges a lot of gaps. I think the show is very meaningful with character development and seeing Darth Vader really at his his. We can even call it weakest, too, because you can just see how mentally messed up he is. Um, it's a powerful show. If episode four was better. And the pacing was better, 9.5, because it wasn't perfect. But that that one episode, it just it killed that. So 8.5. All right. So, Nick, what do you want to wrap up with? There's two pieces of discussion that, you know, we gave it 8s, we gave it 8.5s, whatever. There's two things that people did not like about this show at all, at all. And they think destroyed canon. We've all been on record saying we don't think they destroyed canon. Now. I want to say the two things, get each of your opinions on it. I don't really have an opinion on them, to be honest, so you don't have to come to me on it. Number one, Obi-Wan is an a-hole because he could have ended everything right then and there, chose not to. Also, had 10 years to go and end it then and there, chose not to, said, I'm not going to do it. We're going to wait for this random boy to grow up. He'll do it. What do you think? I personally... I think in terms of point number one here, I think is the same issue that Ahsoka runs to into Rebels, where like he has such a deep emotional connection to Anakin that like he's fine smashing the guy in the suit. And once he sees the face underneath, he says, you know what, I can't do it. I can't stoop to that level. So I think at that point, like, it's sort of like 
It's the same thing. Again, like in episode six, Luke could have killed him. Luke chooses not to. And Luke says, I'm a Jedi. I don't do that. So I want to jump in here before Brescia because I want to hear you guys' opinions on this. I think Obi-Wan thinks he killed Vader again. I honestly think he thought when he messed up his suit that he would just be left for dead. He walked away because even at the end of the episode, he's like, you guys are safe now. I don't have to be here to watch over Luke anymore. If if I'm Obi-Wan, knowing Vader's out there, I wouldn't think he's still safe. I honestly think Obi-Wan thought he killed him again and did the walk away just like he did in episode three. And he's just surprised again that, oh, you're not that cocky, right? Like you're, I mean, excuse me, you're being too cocky. You didn't actually kill him again. He's still alive. He's still going to do some damage. I, that's that's my theory on it. Mike, what do you think? Michael? Yeah, no, that's, it's, it's a good question. I, I think that, uh, Mike, you, you hit up on him, you know, being a Jedi, you know, being about, you know, that way to, you know, leave, not not kill him. Um, you know, that's definitely not a Jedi trait to end someone's life. Uh, even though he does say that, uh, you know, my friend is truly dead. You know, I think, I think there's there's something interesting of that. You know, that remark. Um, but yeah, it's definitely definitely a very interesting topic. Definitely a very interesting point. I don't think he think that. I, I don't think he thinks that he killed him, Pete. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there was any, uh, you know, uh, any consideration of that. You know, when we saw Vader, even though his, you know his mask was you know half, half chopped up. Um, you know, it didn't look like he was really in that much pain that he was, you know, ready to die. I think Obi-Wan just, just left off thinking that, you know, that my, my friend is truly dead. You know, there, there's a machine now, uh, but I can't kill him. You know, that's, that's not the Jedi way. And I need to be true to myself. And, you know, he, he has that, that torment in himself as well. So, so but I think you know, Obi-Wan being able to leave and, and escape the way he did, uh, yeah, I, I, at first I did think it was a little interesting to see, but you know, Obi Wan, you know, once he left, you know, Vader wasn't ever going to find him again. So, you know, basically, you know, the bottom line was for Obi Wan to make sure that his kids are safe, you know, to watch over Luke. You know, he he, he thought that Leia was, you know, under protective care uh, from you know, uh, Bail and uh, the Organa. So, I think I think Obi Wan was. I think he felt that Vader, you know, he was able to, you know, leave Vader the way he was. Point number two, or question number two. I'm sorry, there's actually three. This is number two. Obi-Wan beat Anakin in episode three because of Anakin's arrogance. He beat him in this one because he's just stronger. Doesn't that just kill Anakin's character? I think it's about the point we talked about last week. I think, I don't know if it was you who mentioned it or P who mentioned tunnel it. Television. And I think it was A, the tunnel vision, and B, the fact that, you know, like, yes, Anakin is very powerful, but, like, Obi-Wan sort of shows this sort of theory that, you know, like, you like you do not need to embrace the darkness to be more powerful. Like, he's using, like, the power of, like, his love for the Skywalker children to, like, fuel him to win the fight. I do think that's a message they're trying to send here. Anyone else? I mean, I I think Anakin's a stronger Jedi than Obi-Wan is in episode three. And Obi-Wan's still able to to mess with him because I don't think I think Anakin fights with with power and Obi-Wan fights with technique. 
And I think that we see technique will and and the light side will always prevail versus just I'm going to force my way to killing you. And I'm just going to use rage and not plan it out. And I see Obi-Wan in front of me. I'm just going to swing my lightsaber and try to get you versus I'm going to be calm. I'm going to use technique. I'm going to think good thoughts. I'm going to use the light side of the force in my advantage. And I think that's that's kind of where the discrepancy is. So I agree with everyone uh, here. But one point I wanted to make is uh, could Obi-Wan Kenobi be the strongest Jedi that we've seen in Star Wars? I mean, he did defeat Vader. He didn't kill him, but he defeated, he defeated Vader in, in both of these fights. Uh, he chose to be killed in New Hope, giving up. He was able to destroy General Grievous, who learned from every single... Uh, Technique of the Jedi, right? He, he, he learned, you know, he learned every uh, every uh, technique of the lightsaber, and he was able to, uh, you know, kill General Grievous. So, you know, it, it's just something to, to think about. You know, is Obi Wan perhaps the strongest Jedi that we've seen? Well, lastly, and this goes right on Obi Wan's strength. Obi Wan Kenobi had two, one job at the end of Revenge of the Sith, really two, but really one. The the one that wasn't really. As big of a deal as uh, you have to train with, you know, learning how to speak to Qui-Gon, whatever. But his number one job was to protect the Skywalkers. Reva had a chance to kill Luke. Is Obi-Wan a failure? He did not protect Luke. I would say he's not a failure. I do feel like this is a situation where, like, he ended up having to, like, go help Leia because, like, Leia basically could have died in this whole thing if he does not get involved. Because what is Reva going to do with her if the flea gang takes her she, and Obi-Wan never shows up like what happens then she says no use for this child who knows too much so you basically are sacrificing one child to save the other one so at that point they both have the Skywalker genes the plan could have then pivoted to hey like you know like watch over Leia and protect Leia that could have been plan B well if Obi-Wan doesn't show up Reva's plan is thwarted and the Empire gets word that one of the Inquisitors takes an Imperial Senator's daughter which they're still trying to send it. I think it works out very well for Reva to begin with. I think Leia's still back. I also think it's bad on Bale and Bale's wife that they weren't watching her, their daughter, and that's why she got kidnapped in the first place. I personally think Obi-Wan messed up by going to save Leia because it's on Bale, it's on Bale's wife, and it's on the Imperial Senate to say she got kidnapped. You got to go do something. Um I don't think uh, maybe failure is a harsher word, but I just don't think he should have. If that was his mission, if that was his plan, if, Hey, Bale, I'm giving you Leia. I'm going to watch over the boy. That's it. That's it. But I still think the story worked for the show. I don't consider Obi-Wan a failure because of it, but I also do think it might've been the wrong thing to do. If you want to just talk about the character's duties and what his storyline should have been. I agree with Pete on that. Um, it's definitely on Bale to be responsible for uh, Leia's well-being and for her protection. But at the same time, you know, I, I don't know how valid this uh, of a case this is, but Obi-Wan knows, uh, you know, about Reva. You know, Obi-Wan was able to figure out that, you know, Reva, you know, was a youngling and, you know, she was persuaded to the dark side, but she still had that conflict within her. So... Perhaps it could have been, you know, while he, you know, he, he left to go try to save her, 
you know, perhaps it's, it's just something to mention that, you know, she still had that conflict within, within herself. And uh, who knows, maybe, maybe he realized that, or maybe he thought that maybe she wouldn't be able to, you know, handle it herself to, to take it upon herself to kill Leia. So, or I kill Luke, kill Luke. So just, just something to mention. Not sure, I got to, not sure how valid of a point it is, but worth noting. And that's the last of it. So the three points overall are Obi-Wan's a failure. Obi-Wan is an a-hole because he could have ended all then and there. And uh, what was the last one? I don't remember. Oh, and he, apparently he's stronger than Vader, which was never established prior. And although I see all three points, I don't agree with all either of the points. And it seems like the panel here feels the same way. So I I, I uh, hate to say it, but I think that's it for the Sky Guys and the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. Yeah, it is. And we gave you almost two hours worth this time. So, Pete, good thing we didn't continue last week because it's been a very long podcast last week. Yeah, we've been like three and a half hours. So, yeah. And this, you know, you have a lot of time to listen to this one because we got a week off, right? Yep. We are taking a week off of the Sky Guys. So, we are, congratulations, the early 4th of July podcast. So, you have your fireworks going on when you listen to this. But we get back a couple of weeks here. We're going to sort of catch up on all the stuff we missed. We did a little bit of celebration stuff during the Sky Guys. It came out bad time for us during Obi-Wan when there were three episodes about a sample week. So we're going to take some time. People are going to look back at all these products that were announced. We're going to look ahead and sort of power rank, like, you know, like which ones are we the most excited for coming up here? I think given some of our frustration with the Boba Fett, we want to curious to see how this impacts our thought process here on what shows we're most excited about. Absolutely. I'm excited to dive deeper. Yeah, Nick, I know we talked about this off the air, too. I think it's going to be an interesting experience to see where we land on this. Absolutely. Very exciting to the, for the future of Star Wars and, more importantly, the future of the Sky Guys. Yeah, so we'll be back a couple times in July, so we're gonna, you're not going to completely disappear from your feed. I also want to thank Mike for coming on, as he did after Book of Boba Fett, to I must wrap everything up here. Mike, if you want to find on social media, I'm going to do that. All right. Uh, if you guys want to follow me, uh, my uh, tag is Aggressionator, right? Which I said it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, I owe it to Nick Fayetta to provide me with that nickname, which uh, stuck, and it's on all of my social media at this point. And uh, I actually uh, even introduced it to my job, and they know me as Aggressionator now, too. So, gotta love it. Thank you, Nick. Um, thank you, everyone here. You know, Mike, T, Nick, you know, thank you guys for having me on. As you see, I'm, I'm in Mustafar. It's a little hot. Next time I come on, I think I'm going to have to take a vacation to uh, Naboo. Uh, I'll change it. I got to say, for being on Mustafar for two hours, you've done pretty well avoiding the sweat. I feel like you have found a nice little air conditioning room over there. Let me tell you something. I'm wearing an undershirt, and that undershirt is so cool. You wouldn't believe. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it. Pete, if you want to follow you on social media, I'm going to do that. At PJ Considori 29, C O N S A D O R I on Twitter, Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. Uh, very happy that they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning because I was still very upset that the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Rangers. However, um, we have a Stanley Cup uh, champion. So now we're in the offseason. So just some, some, some sporadic hockey tweets along with this feed, of course. And Nick, if you want to follow you, I'm going to do that. At Nick Fry underscore nine on Twitter. And I just retweet this stuff, and that's it. So you might as well just follow Mike. Yeah, you can also follow me on Twitter, mphilips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. This week on the Just End the Suffering podcast, we did some uh, baseball talk at SMY's Anthony McCarron on, Nick, to talk about the Mets and the Yankees. So fun conversation. I think you would enjoy that one. All right. I'd love to check it out. 
Yeah, and next week coming up here, since you're not going to be on the Sky Guys, since the Sky Guys are not going to have a Met episode coming up here specifically, plus Stranger Things Volume 2 is out. So as of right now, Sandra Rosa is signed on to come back on here and recap the end of the season. So, Mike, you're a big Stranger Things guy. Yes, I am. I uh, haven't finished the uh, what we have of the season so far, but uh, I am very, very interested in finishing up, and I think... So far, from what I've seen, I think it's uh, I think it's great. Yeah, do you do you do know that the finale is supposed to be over? Is about two and a half hours, right? I heard. I mean, all of these episodes have been you know well over an hour at this point, and I think uh, I, I think Star Wars should actually take a lesson from this. Uh, you know, why not uh, you know lengthen the, uh, the the duration of their episodes, like how they're doing the Stranger Things. Pete, imagine if we got the two hour nineteen minute version of the Book of Boba Fett finale. Uh-oh. You're getting the two-hour 19 version of the Sky Guys right now. This <laughs> <laughs> is going on a while. <laughs> yeah, it's not our longest episode. I'm going to make sure of that. We're going to end this right here. So I want to thank you guys again. We will be back in a few weeks to catch you up on what's going on here with the celebration stuff. We have another one we're going to talk about in the hopper off-air. We're going to get your way in July. But until then, may the force be with you, everybody. <laughs>